You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. What's going on, Oilers fans? Thank you so much for tuning in to Episode 10 of The Other Connor Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings. The 55th Super Bowl is this weekend, 55, and a game this big deserves a big prize, not just a trophy. And DraftKings, the official daily sponsor of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs with their Super Bowl prediction pool. How's that for big? All you have to do to get your share of these huge draft prizes is enter DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. It's simple. Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to win some money. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize at the $25,000. That's up to $25,000 just for playing. So use the promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings. Dot com For details, my name is Connor Halley, episode number 10 here of the Other Connor Podcast. And for those Edmonton Oilers, they are back at 500 after a couple wins against the Ottawa Senators, going out and basically just doing what they had to do since we last spoke. They won 4-2 to two against the Sens, and uh, Miko Koskin was pretty good out there. Leon Draisaitl scored a pretty easy goal. But the story of that game has to be Yessi Pugliarvi scoring two goals, his first two goals of the season. And you're just starting to see that confidence with the big Finn bubble. Obviously, on the first goal, he takes the puck to the net, a very encouraging sign. But he doesn't just shoot the puck and fly away. He follows up his shot, gets the rebound, scores the goal. His second goal of the night comes off the shot from Evan Bouchard, a deflection, and the Edmonton Oilers back at 6-6 six and six on the season. Things are starting to look like they're trending in the right direction. Another positive sign from that game was their former first-round pick, Evan Bouchard, collecting an assist and did not look out of place. And I know people will want to tell you that it was just the Ottawa Senators, but that's still an NHL team. So don't listen to what the haters say. Evan Bouchard looking like he's another guy trending in the right direction. And, man, Ken Holland, the new heir that he brought to this organization, patience is paying off, and that's a nice sign to see. A lot of credit also to Jay Woodcroft and his Bakersfield Condor staff uh, really doing a good job developing these players. And uh, for someone who's seen this team for a long time and all you fans out there who've watched this team for a long time, When's the next time we're going to see a 19-year-old play for the Oilers organization? I think it might be a long time. Ideally, multiple seasons with the Oilers not having to rush any first-round pick. That would be a great sight to see. Sorry to Broberg. Sorry to Dylan Holloway. It might be a few years before you represent the Oilers, but that's a good thing for their development and their long-term career. Lots of stuff to get to here on the Other Connor Podcast. We are going to bring in Hernan Salas. He, of course, part of the Corey Graham Show Monday through Friday on TSN 1260 from 6 until 9. They also go live during intermissions. So if you're in the Edmonton area or outside of the Edmonton area, you can listen online and you want to vent about the Oilers, how they've played in a period. TSN 1260 is the way to do that. He also is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. He is the Locked On Oilers host. And uh, you can give him a follow on Twitter at Hernan Demand. We're also going to bring in former Edmonton Oilers, Zach Stortini. He played a couple hundred games with the Oil, was the resident tough guy for a few years, and a really good chat with Zach Stortini. Had a lot of fun with this one. Now he is the assistant coach of the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL. He also coached former number 2 pick overall, Quinton Byfield, last year. So we'll get some thoughts on that as well. And last but not least, we will bring in John Hicks, a.k.a. Johnny Infamous. He is the host of Between Whistles with Johnny Infamous on the Hockey Podcast Network. He also is the official DJ of the Edmonton Oilers. He was the music coordinator for the 2020 NHL Stanley Cup Finals in the bubble, also the 2021 IIHF World Juniors. 
Give him a follow on Twitter at Johnny Infamous. We're going to discuss his new podcast, Between Whistles, but also I wanted to talk to him about what goes on behind the scenes when you're the in-house DJ for an NHL franchise. We're going to have a lot of fun with Johnny later on in the podcast, but let's start things off talking about those Edmonton Oilers, winners of three straight with Hernan Salas from TSN 1260 and the Locked On Oilers podcast, also on Twitter. Give him a follow at Hernan Demand. Hernan, thanks a lot for hopping on today. How are you doing? Good man, you? Oh, I cannot complain. And uh, for a couple of guys who grew up cheering on the Edmonton Oilers, mm-hmm. I think we're both pretty excited about the Battle of Alberta finally happening this year. And uh, it's been an interesting year for the Oilers. They get back to 500, and it just lines up perfectly for Saturday night against the Calgary Flames. I want to ask you this, because I know you're a big Oiler fan. Like, What's your first memory of the Battle of Alberta and realizing this is not the same as other games? Yeah, I'm a little bit older than you, so I, I still remember the late 80s, uh, early 90s rivalries. Um, I remember Joel Otto, Jim Poplinski, uh, going up against, uh, not so much Semanko, but like when Dave Hunter was here and, uh, Mark, like anyone on the orders could drop the mitts, like Kevin McClellan, you know, Christian Niski would get his nose dirty and, and, and all that. So my first memories are those, are the good ones. I mean, it was just a mess every time they met. You knew there was going to be, uh, scraps. You knew there was going to be goals and, um, and sometimes controversy. So I go back to mostly the early nineties and then it's weird because it, it was either Edmonton was good and Calgary wasn't and Calgary was good. So like there's that rivalry was dead for so long. And until last year when they finally got it going with Cassian and Kachuk, it's the first time I felt like the nineties again. <laughs> and I was going to say, like, I remember. Oilers Flames games. I remember Robin Regeer bullying Alex Hemsky, but I don't remember like the big time fights, the melees that you hear the stories yeah. of. And then this little turtle, Matthew Kachuk comes along and, you know, I don't want to say single handedly because that Cassian deserves a lot of credit as well. But man, those two guys together got that rivalry and made it worth watching. Then, you know, we're just past the year anniversary of Mike Smith and Cam Talbot yeah. meeting in the middle. Like it was so epic. It was like two gladiators meeting out there for the scrap. Like I don't know if we're going to get to that level, but you, you just know that everyone watches Matthew Kachuk sees what happens, sees how flipping a little puck at him can really rattle him, I would be surprised if some of the Oilers aren't looking at 19 and red and thinking, let's just do something to him. Let's let's put the glove in his face. Let's, you know, do something, a little hack on the ankle, something just to get him off his game. You know he's going to bring it. And Kachuk's that kind of guy where I don't think he, I don't think he gets rattled easily. I mean, you saw what Muzzin did, like, you know, <laughs> and it got him going. But, like, with the Oilers, I mean, Cassian right now is probably the only guy I see that can drop the mitts on this team. I mean, do you dress Kyra? I highly doubt it. I mean, Neil can hold his own. And, and Nurse, obviously, in the back end as well. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where – it was funny because going back to that Mike Smith, I was working Oil Kings and I was at Rogers' place and um, we were all going crazy in the booth. And then uh, the game ended and I went into the casino to have a, a bevy and uh, watch the third period. And it's the first time I've seen like the crowd go wild, like when they were scoring, when uh, Gaetan Haas got the penalty shot. Like it was amazing. It was like a playoff playoff atmosphere. I mean, it was just a different time. So it was, it was pretty cool to be a part of that and see it again. And I'm expecting fireworks on Saturday. You know, Kachuk's going to be up to no good. He's already pissed off a couple of teams with the double knee drop on Jack Campbell. Um, he acts and he plays stupid like he didn't mean, but that's the kind of player he is. He's greasy. And listen, I'll give him credit. He backed it up last year. He, he didn't fight in the first game, but he said, okay, I have to fight in that second one. And he did. And he took his lumps and that's the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, if. You know, you're a fan of any of the other hockey teams in the NHL and saying you wouldn't like a guy like that. You're lying. I don't care what you say. You can hate him. You can think he's greasy. But the second he put on your team's jersey, you'd be loving oh, it. I mean, yeah. he, he just brings that element. And he's a good player. Like, oh. let's, let's not forget that. He can play the, he plays the, well, yeah. the guy you hate, but he can also put the puck in the net. Uh, I remember I was at, uh, I think, Kaylee's on the West End for a friend's birthday. And when that happened, like one person just like screamed out, goalie fight and the whole bar just shut up like everyone was locked on uh, a few people were outside smoking ditch the buds run back in so they could uh, watch the fight just oh, uh, great stuff uh, how about the Oilers playing as of late I know that you know the wins come against the Ottawa Senators but they do it in a pretty strong fashion in my opinion do you think they can take little lessons learned from the last couple games and have those translate over into the next few or at least the next one against Calgary yeah, it's it's one of those things where everybody's like, "Oh, it was Ottawa," but still, they they won the games. 
They uh, they were sloppy in that first game, but their power play was unreal. In the second game, they tightened up, and none of those games were close. Not at one point. Maybe in the first Ottawa game, when it was 5-3 at the first intermission, Skinner was in that, you're like, oh, man, like what's going to happen here? But the Oilers, after that, kind of put it away. And in the second game, they were good. They were good defensively. The PK showed up. So I don't care who you're playing. They're playing NHL teams. And at the end of the day, the Oilers needed to go on a bit of a run, and they're back at 500, and that's what they needed. Connors. So uh, now they get Calgary on Saturday. We'll see how they fare there. And then they get Ottawa again twice. And again, you got to come out with the same mentality. Treat them like they're the best team in the NHL. Don't don't give them any hope. Don't give them any jump or momentum and you'll be fine. But I, I'm totally okay. And, I, okay. and I'm and I'll give them full marks for their wins because I mean, that's what I don't get. Like people are like, well, why are you so impressed? It was Ottawa. Would you rather them lose? Like I, I, I've never got like people always complaining about something. So it's like, no, they won three straight. They played well for the most part in those games. Let's give them credit. Now stiffer test with Calgary, but they've had practice time. They had a day off. They're going to be nice and fresh. So, uh, yeah, I'm expecting, hey, why not win four straight? That's. Those are the kind of streaks you need in this division, Connor, to make the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the practice time, I think, is going to be huge for the Oilers because that's one thing that with this condensed schedule, you're not going to have a lot of time to do that. And I know Gregor tweeted out the picture on Thursday about uh, it had like, a, I think it was three on threes playing, uh, not lengthwise on the ice, but widthwise, just in smaller spaces. And I think, you know, that might not be something you do. Unless it's a day off, something where you can work on little things yeah. like that. And, uh, and I mean, I, I think that's something, you know, not just that drill, but the whole practice is something that they can work on. It's a quick trip to Calgary. It's so not a big travel day. That's beneficial as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm on your side. I, you, you can't pick who you play. You, you yeah. play who's in front of you and you do not want to lose those games. They didn't do that. They played well on Saturday, taking that game to overtime where, you know, McDavid Drysell kind of do their thing. That's just what they do. Um, how about, uh, Back on the blue line there, Evan Bouchard makes his debut for the team this season. Doesn't look out of place. He's going to make it hard for Coach Dave Tippett to take him out of the lineup, isn't he? He is. And uh, again, people are like, well, it's just against Otto. But he looked really slick, man. I forgot how good of a skater he was. His shot, whether it's a wrist shot or a slab shot, it's 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 a good shot because he gets it through Connor. And I think other defensemen struggle with that mightily. Um, and his passing, like, he made passes that I don't think McDavid and Drysaddle have seen from their defensive group. And that's not a knock on them. It's just yeah. not their strong suit. Like, Barry's a good passer. Bear's a good passer. But I don't think anyone can pass like Bouchard. And he made one play to McDavid. There were, I think even McDavid was like, holy, like, awesome pass. But he probably wasn't expecting it because if it's another guy, he's not getting that pass in that spot. So I was very impressed with him. And it's a good sign. He's still young. He's going to go through his peaks and valleys, Connor. But, uh, this is a guy that, Going forward should probably be a regular. And I'm intrigued to see him on Saturday against a stiffer competition. I yeah. truly am. And I mean, you, you mentioned just the ability to make that breakout pass. And now maybe Connor McDavid, while, you know, he can carry it the length of the ice, it's like, you know, maybe I'll pick it up with the red line because I know that Evan Bouchard can make this pass. It just adds a whole new element to this team and something that could be really dangerous. Yeah. Uh, one final one before we let you go, Hernan. And we do appreciate you hopping mm-hmm. on the other Connor podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network between the pipes. Uh, we've seen that Mike Smith back on the ice. Uh, do you, do you feel comfortable going with Miko Koskinen for the next few games here until Mike Smith uh, inevitably does return back into the lineup? Or do you think that Koskinen might need a night off? Uh, yeah, I mean, he was practicing. It looked like he was doing everything uh, that normal goalies do. So that's a good sign for the Edmonton Oilers. I think Koskinen gets Saturday. And then the next two games are with Ottawa. In Ottawa, I think you're going to see Mike Smith in one of those games. And, and this is only bet. I know Mike Smith's not the popular goaltender here in Edmonton, but... These two guys as a duo last year were really good, and they had the team in second in the division before the COVID stoppage. So I'm excited to see it because Koskinen, when he's pushed and he's rested, he's a lot better, and Mike Smith the same way. He's a fiery guy. These guys push each other, and I think that's only going to make the team better. So I'm I'm excited to see Mike Smith come back, and I know some people might not be as excited as I am, Connor, but having Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen back and – Splitting the net, it's a, it's going to be beneficial for this Edmonton team. Yeah, I mean, anytime I think you get a guy who's been to the Olympic Games, he's been to a conference final and played in the league as long as Mike Smith had, he's better than most alternatives. And especially with the Oilers' current goaltending situation, you take him over Stuart Skinner. That's that's the way it is. You take him over Gross Naked. Yeah. 
no disrespect to those guys. They're very good goalies and, uh, you know, probably <laughs> hoping at one point they can become full-time NHLers, but right now they're not, and Mike Smith is. So I'm with you, too. If you don't like it, uh, <laughs> yeah. think of the alternatives, and uh, hopefully that puts you in a better place. Hernan, thanks for hopping on the podcast today. Let's do it again sometime. Anytime, my friend. There you go. That is Hernan Salas of TSN 1260 and the Locked On Oilers podcast. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at Hernan. The man really appreciate him hopping on the podcast and I'm with him. I think for the Edmonton Oilers, getting Mike Smith back is a good thing. He might not be your favorite guy. He might not be the goalie of the future, but he's one of the best options they have right now. So you got to ride with him and uh, let him get a chance to get hot because he's a streaky goalie. And when he's on, he can be really good. You just want to avoid those lows. And when they happen, hope that Mikko Koskinen can take over the reins. Right now, uh, let's jump over to someone who you probably watched quite a bit for the Edmonton Oilers. 80 fights as a member of the Oilers. He was drafted in the third round, 94th overall back in 2003. He played in 256 games for the Edmonton Oilers from 2006 till 2011. Now, the assistant coach with the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL, Zach Stortini, joins us on the Other Connor Podcast. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, not a problem at all. We really appreciate it. And, of course, uh, the Oilers had to take on the Flames this weekend. So we're going to get to some of your favorite memories from the Battle of Alberta. But I want to start off with, uh, you know, back in the day when you got into hockey. Uh, how did it all start? Uh, what got you into the game? <laughs> well, that's going quite a ways back now. Um, you know, obviously uh, a lot older and uh, uh, hopefully more experienced. But, uh, you know, I, I started off and, and playing the game wanting to compete, you know, wanting to, you know, battle and, and have fun out there. And, uh, you know, growing up uh, here in Sudbury, um, you know, it's a, a great hockey community. Um, it's a place where, um, you know, not only is the, the hockey community tight, but the community itself is it's a tight-knit group. And, um, a lot of great fond memories of uh, playing with friends uh, that I still stay in touch with now today and um, you know obviously uh, been very fortunate in uh, being able to make a, a path to the NHL uh, and to Edmonton of all places I mean uh, it's uh, an incredible place to play and a, a lot of similarities between Sudbury and Edmonton I think and uh, more so than just uh, the weather and climate but the, the people there too are, are so uh, so great you know it's just uh, um, you know, a, a great place to live and play. So I want to ask you, I mean, you go into the OHL, you're a rookie year with the Sudbury Wolves, 187 penalty minutes. Like, I got a chance to watch a lot of junior hockey in my life, and there's not too many guys that just step right into that role. How tough was it for you? It's not something that's easy to do anytime you're, um, you know, racking up a, a lot of penalty minutes. It's a, it's a hard way to play the game. Um, for somebody uh, like myself who didn't have as much skill as, you know, you get the high-end talent, uh, um, you know, I'm sure everybody, uh, you know, enjoys and appreciates the way, you know, Connor McDavid and uh, Leon, Leon Dreisaitl play the game. And uh, I wish I could play the game with that much skill and you appreciate it, um, you know, the way those guys play the game and uh, for me I'm, I'm a role player I'm a support player um, it was something that uh, has always been a part of my game um, you know where you know whether it's standing up for a teammate or um, you know maybe trying to uh, bring a little bit of energy uh, you know with my line um, it's something that um, you know ends up uh, you know drawing the attention of the other team or the referees and hopefully for a good reason <laughs> now uh, correct me if I'm wrong here but I believe going into the draft the season prior you have 13 goals, 16 assists, 222 penalty minutes. Like, where did you expect to go in that draft? Just to get drafted alone, I mean that's uh, a tremendous honor, and uh, you know you're so ecstatic as a as a young man. You know just to be to be there at the draft, and you know you're going through all the different interviews and uh, fitness testing, and and uh, you know the the whole uh, you know ordeal. It's it, it's quite the uh, experience of um, you know trying to um, you know carry yourself in a professional manner, and, and going through these interviews that you're you're so nervous. You know you're you're in a situation that um, you know you're not used to it's not something you do every day um, you know you, you practice on the ice all you want but uh, you know when you're you know uh, in a boardroom with you know guys who've been in the game you know twice as long as you've been alive I mean uh, it's intimidating and um, 
you know, you hope you do well in, in those situations. And, and for me, I, I was very fortunate that, uh, um, you know, Edmonton did give me that opportunity. So, um, you know, to, to get picked where I did is, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I was, I'm so lucky, you know, I'm so very lucky. I feel like we always hear the stories about how, you know, these young prospects are just asked really weird questions, try to, you know, pick their brain a little bit. Did you go through any stories like that? Did you have any weird questions thrown your way? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of weird ones out there, and uh, you know, now looking back with the experience that you have, uh, it's understandable. I mean, you could see why they ask you that question or why they're putting you in this situation, and they want to see, you know, uh, you know what you're all about, you know, how you react, you know, and, and uh, maybe get a, a better, you know, um, taste of your character, you know, to see, um, you know, uh, you know, a little bit deeper inside look, if that's, uh, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, there's definitely some that, uh, that stick out. Uh, I'd, I'd like to keep certain ones, uh, you know, close to the chest because it's, it's great to use nowadays uh, being a coach, you know, uh, it, it brings you closer to your players. I mean, it, it creates that, um, you know, quick connection where, you know, it shows that you care, you know, it shows that you share the same values and, um, you know, it's, it's those, you know, what everybody calls the intangibles that you appreciate in, in, uh, in, in another athlete, you know, and, and um, you know, I, I think uh, looking back, you know, they're, they're a little unconventional, but, uh, you know, serve a great purpose. So going to your first ever NHL training camp, did you have a welcome to the NHL moment? Um, I I still never forget, uh, you know, first NHL training camp, um, you know, and everyone after that, too, you know, just uh, with the great people there. um, You know, there's, uh, you know, geez, where do you start? Uh, uh, There's one with uh, um, Steve Stales. And, uh, you know, I remember going through, you know, training camp was and still is, is always a grind. You know, you have your off-ice workout, your on-ice practice, which is never easy. It's usually the hard battle drills, lots of skating, conditioning, things like that, and then uh, you know an inner squad game. So uh, as an 18-year-old, 17, 18-year-old coming into that situation, um, the pace of play, you know, the the intensity of, of practice and workouts is is off the charts, right? And and everybody's competing for a job, and um, you know you're shot. Your energy systems are just shot, you know. And uh, you get in the gym, and and you're just you know trying to stretch and loosen up because every muscle and bone in your body is so tight and you get a guy like Steve Steos on the bike and he is like putting in a workout session it was incredible like the guy is pouring sweat burning you know five six hundred calories you know and he was you know leading all the drills out there and he's working that hard off the ace and you know he's been in the NHL for so long like as a young man coming in it's like I got to work even harder than that. Like, okay, you know, and it just drives you and pushes you to, to, to be better. And, you know, you, you talk to a guy like that, like a leader, you know, a true leader. And, um, you know, he, he's easy to talk to and he demands lots from his teammates, but, um, he does the same himself. And, um, you know, that's, uh, um, you know, something I never forget. Your first season in the NHL, 2006-2007, you're 21, and we'll get to the on-ice aspect of that, but what's it like going from the AHL, traveling on buses, not maybe staying at the nicest places, then you go to the NHL, you're traveling with the team on a jet, staying the nice hotels, you're going to the marquee cities in North America. How cool was that? <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, it's uh, an incredible experience. Um, to be able to, uh, you know, be a part of that lifestyle. And, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to, um, you know, have had the experience of playing in the AHL, sorry, uh, first, where, you know, like you said, you are riding the bus. Um, you know, the um, the budget that uh, an AHL team in comparison to an NHL team uh, isn't the same. And, uh, you know, once you are able to make that jump into the NHL, you appreciate all those little things. You know, it's it's uh you know the way that you are treated in every organization is is always you know the best that they have available and and um obviously uh you know at the nhl level with the the budget that teams have it's uh, uh next level kind of situation did you ever have to pay for dinner <laughs> um 
I have had to pay for dinner. <laughs> yes, um, you know, uh, I've, there's uh, been a couple times where. Um, you know, I, I want to pay for dinner, uh, you know, out of respect and, and uh, was politely denied. And, and uh, you know, there's uh, several teammates that have done that throughout my career. And I am I'm very, very fortunate for their generosity. Heard that story about Alashemsky, how he covered a couple rookies a few times. Is that something he was known to do? Yes, uh, he is, uh, you know, a very generous and, and uh, uh, thoughtful teammate. You know, he's, uh, he's a guy that, uh, you know, cares uh, not only about, you know, the, the team, but the people on the team. And, um, you know, I was so lucky in Edmonton to walk into a situation where um, we had an awesome team, a great group of guys. And, um, you know, he was one of many guys uh, uh, on that team that are, are so um, – you know, team-oriented, driven, you know, character leader guy that, uh, um, you know, as, as a young man, you never forget, that's for sure. Do you think on the ice he was underrated? I would say so, yes. Uh, I mean, everybody knows he, he's a great player. Uh, everybody knows that, uh, you know, he's he's one of the, the, you know, the top players on the Edmonton Oilers. And, um, you know, I always seen him as somebody who has exceptional talent. And, um, you know, he uh, he was more than just a skilled player. I mean, he, he brought, uh, you know, heart, leadership, determination. Um, like I said, great teammate on and off the ice. Um, you know, I, I don't think, um, you know, uh, maybe I have rose-colored glasses too, you know. <laughs> like the, the guys on, on, on Edmonton when I played there, um, you know, are, are, are tremendous individuals. And, and uh, uh, you know, if, if I could, uh, you know, campaign on their behalf of, you know, what a great job, what great people they are, um, you know, I'd be more than happy to do that. Your first goal, it came in a loss to the Vancouver Canucks, 5-2. Sakura and Jan Haida with the helpers. Do you remember the goal? Yeah, <laughs> I, I like how you're asking me all these uh, these great questions. I mean, they they bring back uh, awesome memories because stuff like that you never forget, right? I mean, uh, every kid dreams about you know scoring his, his first NHL goal, and um, you know I still remember that quick pass up by uh, by uh, Hayda and uh, you know Sakura coming down the wing, uh, little pop we call it pass off the pads. Um, he is uh, you know so skilled in, in the play that he made and um, you know what an awesome play you know I just uh, a real simple player obviously I drive the net and, and uh, he pops one off the pads I don't think I'd ever beat Luongo otherwise uh, um, you know so it was a very lucky great place at the right time and, and playing with great players uh, uh, made that happen uh, yeah I mean I, I, I love it I work with Jason Strudwick here on TSN 1260 and uh, he'll occasionally name drop the Hall of Fame goalies that he's beaten his career so for you to get your first one on Roberto Luongo that's pretty cool. Uh, that's a buddy of his too, and uh, you know, Strutty's awesome for that. He uh, he's uh, so smart that way, and uh, it's so funny. I mean, uh, I have a ton of stories of, of him that um, you know made my life so much better. You know, and uh, him and his wife Shona were uh, incredible to, to me, and it was my girlfriend at the time, and and, and now my wife. Uh, so um, you know, we we reflected fondly on on uh, their. Uh, them both and, and our time with them, you know, where uh, they were uh, great to us when we were there and, and something that we tried to do with, uh, you know, young players uh, as my career wore on. Kind of a common theme when he comes up on the podcast. Uh, no one no one really has a bad thing to say about that family, which oh, you know, you I can can't. attest to. Oh, they're awesome, you know, the way, uh, you know, how he, one of the funniest guys I think I've ever played with, you know, so he's... Uh, He's incredible. So any uh, any dirt you want on him, I'm, I'm more than happy to, uh, to to shovel over. So I got some good ones for about uh, Shreddy. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down, and uh, maybe we'll come back yeah. to that one. Uh, I want to ask you about if and if my counting is correct here. 80 career fights with the Oilers. Was there any that want, that stood out to you individually? Um. Jeez. <laughs> uh, there's some ones that I wish uh, you know maybe I did a little better on, um, but. Uh, uh, you know, I think uh, that was part of my job. It's something that, uh, um, you know, I, I always enjoyed doing, uh, you know, especially the, the Battle of Alberta games. I mean, those were always, uh, um, you know, passionate, hard-fought games. Uh, same against Vancouver. Um, 
you know, you think uh, Anaheim coming in and, and Chicago, you know, so um, anytime the emotions are, are high and, and, you know, uh, it's boiling over into fights, I mean, um, it was always a, a fun thing. And I, I know that fans always appreciated that as well. I mean, how loud and passionate the fans are in Edmonton, um, you know, sometimes uh, we're not able to score and give them what you want that way. Um, you know, you got to find another way to uh, make sure that, you know, not only your teammates, but, uh, you know, the people of Edmonton know you're giving it all uh, you have for them. Yeah, and I mean, you, you got people on their feet many a times down at an older Exile place. Uh, when the team takes on the Calgary Flames, like, wh- what's different about that rivalry? Is it something you can kind of feel the buzz when you're heading into the arena, anything like that? Anytime Edmonton plays Calgary, there's a, there's a huge buzz. I mean, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a Saturday night hockey night in Canada game or, uh, you know, midweek. It's uh, something that is ingrained, you know, I think in both hockey cultures uh, there. I don't know if it's uh, the, the close proximity and in, in, uh, distances between the cities or, uh, you know, just years of, of that battle, you know, from the minor hockey level uh, all the way up to the NHL. I, I think it's uh, a lot of fun to be a part part of I think uh, that passion you know between the you know the, the, the fans the organizations the players it just it's contagious in a good way you know it gets the best out of everybody you know and uh, anytime you're able to be a part of that you know it's uh, an incredible feeling I looked on your hockey fights page and saw that you and Darcy Hortichuk fought five times now was that a personal rivalry there or anything or just kind of you know in division rival uh, I think it's uh, a situation where I have a lot of respect for Darcy and the way he played uh, the game. And, um, you know, it's, it's two guys that maybe played the game similarly and in, in the same kind of role and um, trying to help their team, uh, you know, win the game. And, uh, you know, I think when we see each other that much and there is that rivalry between, uh, you know, his club and, and, and us, it was, uh, you know, something that was bound to happen. Looking at some of your opponents, now I've seen you fought George Perils four times, John Scott twice, like, that freaks me out. Those are some mammoth men. Uh, was there anyone that you could say was probably your toughest opponent? Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's, oh, geez, the toughest is, is always hard. I know I get asked that question a lot. Uh, um, you know, it's um, one of those ones where they're all tough. You know, like they're all there for a reason. You know, they're they're not only good at hockey, but you know, they're they're tough competitors that know how to fight. You know, they're dangerous uh, when the gloves are dropped. And um, you know, you mentioned you know Peros and uh, John Scott's a big guy. Uh, you know, Bugard. I mean, his sheer size. Uh, alone, you know, is, is, a, is a tough man to fight. Um, you know, there's, jeez, uh, uh, Marty Lapointe. You know, I remember fighting him, and, and he's a, a competitor, and he's been doing it for a while. You know, there's, uh, you start naming names, and you start <laughs> leaving guys out. You know, and uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, all these guys, you know, you have uh, a ton of respect for. Uh, you know, you're, you're fighting. Uh, a lot of times because uh, you, you're doing it for your team, you know, you're doing it in the situation where, you know, it needs to be done, whether they're, you know, uh, doing their job and, and, and making it difficult for our, you know, players, uh, usually the skilled guys, you know, to get around the ice where, you know, you got you to gotta step in and do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, all, all those guys are all tough competitors. Your time in Edmonton, do you have any uh, game day routines, any local spots you like to hit up before the game or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, Edmonton's an awesome city. I mean, not only for, uh, like I said, the people there that are, are so passionate and caring, um, but, uh, you know, the food there is great. You know, there's uh, uh, quite a few spots. Uh, you know, I might be dating myself. I don't uh, I don't know, uh, you know, what the uh, the restaurant scene is there right now, but, uh, you know, I know uh, a lot of times we go to, you know, either Piccolino's. Uh, it was a, a great Italian restaurant uh, kind of close to where a lot of us lived, um, you know, there's uh, the Joy Tomatoes right on, uh, uh, I think it was on Jasper, uh, right on the main strip there. And, uh, you know, there's there's a ton of great restaurants, uh, um, you know, there in, in Edmonton. And um, always so welcoming and, and uh, the service is great. You know, we get treated uh, very, very well there. And it was uh, made the experience so enjoyable. Got some bad news for you. Piccolino shut down. <laughs> Oh, no. Okay. It did. Yeah, so uh, I, rem- I I had been there a few times. Uh, me and my friends, uh, we enjoyed that spot as well. So uh, too yeah, bad with that one. Food, 
dude. I mean, uh, the owner there was uh, the nicest man, you know, and a big fan of his. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's hard to hear. Tough break. A uh, couple more questions for you, Zach. Really appreciate you hopping on the podcast here. And uh, just, I guess, do you still watch the Oilers? Are you a fan of the team anymore? I am. I'm a, a huge fan of the team. Um, you know, I had the privilege of uh, working with uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, that's a name drop, uh, but uh, a huge fan of his. You know, I want to take the opportunity to, you know, um, you know, share my experience of what a, a great young man that guy is. You know, obviously a huge fan of, uh, you know, the team and, and what they do and um, how they play the game. Uh, you know, the skill level that uh, these players have, obviously, with uh, you know Connor McDavid there as well. It's it's uh, incredible to watch. It's incredible hockey. But um, you know the the off ice part of it. You know how hard you know somebody like uh, you know Leon works and uh, his attitude. You know the the uh, you know great character. You know great human being. Uh, it's such a good example. You know for young players coming up that you know you have all the talent in the world, all the skill in the world, but it's equally important to be. Uh, you know, a good person too. And anytime you're able to use, uh, you know, somebody like that as a role model, as an example for, you know, young hockey players coming up, it's, uh, it makes your job as a coach, uh, pretty easy when you, when you have that. When did you work with Leon? Over, uh, the summer he was here, um, uh, skating, um, for, uh, a few weeks. <laughs> the the skill set that guy has, uh, we were talking about it uh, earlier today. Just, you know, he can kind of decide, is he going to be a shooter on one game? And, you know, the next game, I just decide to be the, the passer. Like, the ability he has is just insane. Oh, it's, it's off the charts. I mean, you're exactly right where, you know, he can do, you know, everything. Great hands, you know, skates well, uh, works hard, you know, like it's, he's, he's the whole package. I mean, he's, he's a big guy who can move. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you guys are used to seeing him, um, you know, live in person, you know, do his thing. And, you know, I know watching on TV doesn't do it uh, justice sometimes, just how fast, you know, he moves and, and how good his hands and quick his hands are and how great his shot is and his vision, you know, to see the see the ice the way he does. And it's, uh, it's a, a real pleasure to watch. Uh, Zach, I know now you are coaching with the Sudbury Wolves as an assistant. Is that something you always wanted to do? Um, well, for to, to start, I mean, you're not uh, you're always just focused on the game of playing hockey, right? I mean, as a player, you're always uh, you know focused on playing, and um, you know I was very fortunate my last couple of years as a player. Um, I spent with the uh, uh, Charlotte Checkers, uh, the farm team for uh, Carolina. And uh, our head coach there, Mike Felucci, uh, was uh, a great mentor, a, a great uh, coach for me, and uh, you know, kind of helped me in that transition of you know leaving the game as a player, um, you know, moving into more of a, a mentoring role for young players. I mean, especially at the AHL level, where it's a young league, there's a lot of young players coming up, you know, looking to make that jump into the NHL. And if I'm able to share my experiences and, and help them out along the way. You know, on their their uh, their journey, it's uh, um, you know it's very fulfilling for me. And he really uh, you know opened the door and, and, and shed the light onto um, you know that that career of coaching, and um, obviously has great success doing it. And, and you can see why. I mean, he's uh, another guy who is uh, you know high character, you know great leader, and um, you know I was very fortunate. He took the time to you know work with me and and, and help me you know, transition into that, that role and then uh, being given the opportunity here in, in Sudbury, you know, our, our management team here in Sudbury is, uh, um, you know, first class and, and they're, uh, you know, great leaders as well and, and hardworking and, and look for good people. So, um, you know, when they uh, offered the uh, offered me the opportunity here, um, you know, and, and, and Corey Stillman, uh, you know, our, I was a coach at the time and for him to, to take me in under his wing, um, you know, our, our our GM Rob Papineau and, and uh, assistant GM Ken McKenzie, um, you know, giving me that opportunity to, to start off as a, an assistant coach here in the OHL is, uh, you know, you can't thank these people enough. You know, I'm very lucky, very privileged to be, um, you know, where I am. Oh, it's awesome, Zach. Continued success with that. I think you're going to do an amazing job going forward. And uh, 
One little last opportunity for you to drop a name here. A guy you coached last year, Quinton Byfield, second overall pick to the Kings. How good is this guy going to be? Oh, man. You know, it's uh, it's scary how good, uh, you know, young players are coming up. And, and um, you know, Quinton is, is no exception. I mean, he's a, a great kid. Uh, he works so hard in practice. Um, you know, everybody sees him in the World Juniors and, and what he's able to do. And, um, you know, he's going to be in the NHL for, for a long, long time. And, um, you know, between his, his skating ability, you know, the way he sees the ice, uh, his heart, you know, his, his his passion for the game, um, it's uh, it's incredible, you know. So, um, you know, I'm I'm a fan of his. I'm, I'm lucky that I was uh, able to see him early on in, in uh, you know his his long journey, his long hockey career, and uh, you know I look forward to uh, watching him play in the NHL for many years to come. Oh yeah, guy's gonna be a star, Zach. Thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it, and hopefully we can get you back on down the road. Yeah, it sounds great. Thank you very much. Awesome stuff from Zach's story. We might have to get him back on the podcast down the road to share some more stories. Maybe share some of those Jason Strudwick stories. Maybe even a Strudwick Stortini roundtable in the future. They can share some memories. We'll try to work on that down the road, but we really do appreciate Zach coming on, and uh, thanks to the Sudbury Wolves for helping set up that interview. Awesome, awesome discussion. Let's keep it going, though. Right now, let's bring in Johnny Infamous. He is the in-house DJ for the Edmonton Oilers. He was also the music coordinator for the 2020 Stanley Cup Finals, the 2021 WIHF World Juniors, and he's got a new podcast out here on the Hockey Podcast Network. It's titled Between Whistles. Johnny, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. That's a a heck of a bio. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I mean, you've done a lot of good work in the industry, and uh, I'm sure uh, it's only the beginning. Lots to go still. Uh, I really wanted to get you on here because I know you just dropped your first episode on the Hockey Podcast Network on February 3rd, and I love the concept of your podcast. Kind of similar to what I wanted to do because I think that when it comes to Hockey Podcasts, it's a lot of the same old thing. It's a lot of breaking down games. What happened? I want to go deeper into it. Talk to former players, talk to former employees of organizations, and see what went on behind the scenes. And I definitely thought someone who does the in-house music would be a real cool conversation. And now you've got yours going now. And uh, I mean, how did you get into the whole DJing industry? Where did it all start? Yeah, I mean, I started just, you know, doing nightclubs, stuff like that. I was in uh, Vancouver. Uh, about 10 years ago, and then I made the move to Edmonton, actually. A nightclub owner out here wanted me to move out here because I was was one of the only DJs that was playing, like, everything. I was mashing up mashups live before they were like they are today. Like, you can just buy a mashup now already pre-produced and play it as a DJ. So I came out here, and, and, you know, I was playing a lot of rock mixed with retro and hip-hop and the newer stuff. And then uh, I started doing weddings and just bigger corporate events, stuff like that. And then one day I got a call and somebody said, hey, the Oilers are looking for a new DJ. And I said, you know, I've never done anything like that. I'd done, actually, I had done something like that. I DJed one season with the Edmonton Rush, but mm-hmm. a totally different animal. You get to just play music the entire time. So it was like I was playing a DJ set, right? But I'd never been involved in game presentation. I'd never uh, done any, you know, pro sports of that level. And I said, yeah, I'll go in and talk to the, it was a new game day director as well. They had just hired Rich Myers. And uh, we sat down and, you know, I was born in the States. I grew up in Ontario, but I was born in the States. And he was from the States as well. So we connected on that level. And he really wanted to kind of wash away everything they'd done before and start anew. And so he thought I was a good idea because I was fresh. I hadn't been kind of tainted by any other game day director and kind of pulled how to operate. So that's what happened. And the first day I came into Rexall, it was the season before McDavid uh, came to town, and I just brought in my laptop and played like a normal DJ set. And it wasn't the greatest, but it was different. And that's what people noticed and what they liked. And um, now I've been with them seven seasons. I feel like anyone who's listening right now can remember the Edmonton Rush and just remember the environment that was created with you know the music playing throughout the game and it was always upbeat music and i think a lot of people might have said that you have a lot more fun at an edmonton rush game if you're just a casual fan than at an oiler game where it might be a little bit more quiet and you know you're getting music in between the breaks what did you want to take from the edmonton rush and what you did for them to the edmonton oilers just a little more variety and a little more i mean 
you're always going to play familiar stuff. You're always going to play stuff that you to clap your hands to and sing along to. Um, and I think the players get that as well. You know, a lot of people say you got to play music to drive the energy, to drive the play, to drive the player's motivation. But, I mean, I've talked to players before. A lot of them know that this show is for the fans. A lot of them almost, <laughs> it's funny, during the bubble I spoke to a few, and they said it was almost weird how we started to try to play music for them because they do realize that they're in a show setting. They do get used to hearing, you know, We Will Rock You and Thunderstruck and all these big songs every night. They get so used to it. It becomes like when they do their warm-ups, when they're going through their routines. So it was a bit jarring for them to hear, like, newer music during the bubble. But I guess what I wanted to bring was just kind of different stuff. You know, I came in and I started playing some mashups during the game and some uh, retro stuff, some edits or remixes of classic songs you might have heard at a game, but give them a twist so that they pump up as you're going into a puck drop. And, you know, for the traditionalists, some of them really hate that. Uh, for the young kids, it's the exact opposite. You know, they don't like hearing the same old classic rock songs every time. But I always tell people it's just like a, a big corporate event or a wedding. You're rocking a dance floor, you're playing to a crowd, and music is subjective. Every song you play is not going to hit with everyone. I mean, you're trying to spread your net as far as you can, but you're never going to please everyone. And you're going to make mistakes. There's been times where I've played the horrible, worst, you know, song for that moment. Not a bad song, but just not the one I should have played in that situation. And it's going to happen. It's like when you're playing to a dance floor. You play a song, five people leave, maybe ten people come on, you know. Um, so it's just, it's hit and miss every day, but each season I feel like I've grown, and especially over the last six months, I mean, it was like a marathon here. So now I've gained this crazy experience, and uh, my music library, you know, it obviously doubled, tripled, quadrupled. I mean, I <laughs> it feels... It's amazing to have this library that's full of, uh, you know, 14 different teams' playlists now. Um, and it's just been gratitude. I've just been learning and uh, meeting new people along the way. We're joined by Johnny Infamous, the host of Between the Whistles with Johnny Infamous. You can get him on the podcast network, of course. Like the other Connor podcasts, we're both sponsored by DraftKings, so uh, shout out to DraftKings as well. <laughs> now, you DJ weddings. You've done the whole club scene. I'm sure you're used to people coming up to you and, you know, giving you requests, things you might want to slide into the rotation. When people find out that you are the official DJ for the oil, do you get uh, song requests from Oilers fans? All the time. And, I mean, I, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not a DJ with a big ego. Even at an event, like if someone comes up and, and asks me for a song, I don't, I don't take it as an insult. Everyone wants to hear their song. And um, I take it like that at the game every night, too, like, Everybody wants to hear something that they can connect to. So that's why I try to play a little bit of everything. I mean, again, I know every song isn't going to connect with everyone. Um, but I try to answer every email, every direct message, every tweet. Anyone who mentions me, I, I try and do that between periods as well. Like, I'll take a look at Twitter after the first, after the second, see what people are saying. And there's always requests in there, and I always try and drop them in. Now, whether they make them to broadcast or not, that's not up to me. Um, but I love to hear what the fans say and what they want to hear, and especially when it's something I wouldn't have thought to play, uh, because I've found that the most viral moments or the moments where I've gotten the most exposure, whether it have been during the Stanley Cup playoffs or the World Junior Championships or an Oilers game, has always been when you play something out of the box, always when you play something comedic or situational that people would have never thought to play, those are the moments that get the most reaction. So I'm always listening to the fans, and they can always hit me up wherever they want, and I'll try and uh, get their song up. Now, during a game a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Oilers playing, of course, you're doing your thing, and the infamous World Junior Penalty Box song came on. Like, <laughs> First off, what is that song? Because I might want to download it. And How did that happen? 
Well, the song is called Charlie, and it's actually on, if you go to my Spotify, Johnny Infamous, um, I keep playlists up there of all my big events. So Stanley Cup Playoffs, there's an over 800-song playlist there of all the music I use. As well as the World Juniors, I added an extra 100 to those 800 uh, to soundtrack that. <clears throat> the song is called Charlie, and it's really just an instrumental, I guess, uh, elevator track kind of like a circus song you would use, but it gained a lot of popularity <laughs> during the World Juniors previously. And especially from, you know, everyone knows Ray Ferraro, a broadcast legend, uh, has a problem with the song. Now, whether <laughs> he really, really has a problem with it or whether it's him just being funny, I'm not sure because I've never talked to him directly about it. But um, we ended up playing at the Oilers game the other night when he was in the building, and I don't know. It may be a tribute song to Ray now every time he comes to town. So, <laughs> Oh, man, I'm going to have to ask him about that one, see if the beef is real with Charlie. Uh, another one that got you a little notoriety on Groundhog's Day playing I Got You, Babe, and I, I think you played it multiple times. Uh, where did that idea come from? Well, obviously, you know, an amazing movie, Bill Murray, and um, actually that's, Another thing I wanted to bring up today when you talked to me, so that that was an idea I got from somebody else in Game Press. Actually, somebody working in the video production room downstairs who hits a bunch of switches and, and makes things happen uh, up on the board. Um, they just said, hey, why don't you play the song for when Bill Murray hits the alarm clock? And I said, yeah, that's actually a great idea. And then I said to my game day director, Lindsay Gullett, I said, why don't we play it the first whistle every period? So then it really is like Groundhog Day. And, you know, most times he'll we'll discuss it. He immediately said, let's do it. So first period we did it. Second period we did it. Third period I think he got under the desk because <laughs> he didn't want anyone down below to look up uh, and give him the, uh, the mean eyes. But, yeah, it was, it was so fun. And we were having so much fun, and we just – the, the sad thing is we're having all this fun. We're trying all these new things. Uh, the world is in this weird place right now where, like, everything's experimental, and and the fans aren't there. And that's the worst part. Like, they're watching at home, and, yeah, that's great, um, but we really miss the fans. We really miss feeding off their energy. I know the players do as well, but we, we miss engaging with them. It's just it's a sad time, but it's also a time where we're getting to experiment, so... Hopefully when they get back in the building, we'll have learned some things. I know we have from the last two bubbles, and uh, we'll be able to just perform better for Edmonton. It's funny. I mean, I, I took a quick scan at the roster. The movie came out in 1993, I believe. I think there's 11 guys who were born. Like, I, I'm just curious how many actually got the reference and how many were thinking, like, man, Johnny's playing the same song over and over again. Does he know what he's doing? Like, <laughs> so uh, Twitter, and, you know, there was a few people, hey, this is awesome. And then, yeah, there were a few people, like, I remember one tweet was like, you know, bold choice for a hockey game to play I Got You Big by Sunny and Cher, right? But, I mean, that's the thing. Again, everything you're playing isn't going to hit with everyone. Everyone's not going to get every joke you try to do. I mean, I don't have a microphone up there. I can't explain myself, right? So it's a weird way of interacting with fans and, and trying to, like, get your point across. But when it hits, it's so much fun. It's amazing. So <laughs> Yeah, for the ones who got it, like, I know my girlfriend and I thought that was genius. We laughed at that, thought it was so good. So uh, you, you earned our praise at the very least. <laughs> I want to ask you about song selection. I'm going to throw a couple scenarios your way, and in your expert opinion, you tell me a song that you think epitomizes it. So first thing first, uh, let's say midway through the second period, a lull in the game, what song can't miss will bring the energy? Uh, I, well, it depends. Like, I mean, if you want to play energy, like sometimes, especially with Edmonton, I love Edmonton, but you've got, you know, years of small success, some failure. So, like, sometimes I like to play a joke. Like, sometimes I'll play, like, uh, maybe Wake Up, Arcade Fire, just because I want everyone to kind of relax or react. Uh, lows in the game, I often go to EDM nowadays because a lot of these young players are listening to it. We've got a lot of young new fans uh, coming here from Connor McDavid and, and just every the way the team has a lot of new young faces. So, I mean, I go to EDM a lot. And the other thing that's safe with EDM is if you play it at a time uh, where you need energy and it works, it's great. And if it doesn't work, it still kind of works. I mean, a lot of these rock songs, 
I love going to Welcome to the Jungle. I love going to, you know, Joker and the Thief and Thunderstruck, but and if you play it at the wrong time or if it, if it plays at a time that doesn't hit with everyone, you know, you've failed. So for me, if I have to, I'll go to an EDM song to just raise the energy. <laughs> okay, how about this? Oilers are down by one, offensive zone face-off, 30 seconds remaining in the game. Timeout's just been called. I feel like for a long time it was lose yourself Eminem, but what yeah. might you side to now? I would play Jack and Diane. <laughs> <laughs> just really bring it down, hey? <laughs> just to get at people. No, um, uh, it depends. I mean, we've got we've got different playlists and different buckets, but honestly, this is another thing I wanted to talk to you about today. Like, there's so many people on calm with us during every game. You know, again, people think there might be just a director, a floor director, me, you know, uh, Ryan Jesperson, hosting, whoever. There's so many people giving insight, and there's so many people giving me ideas during the game that often when we're in a situation like that, you know, I'm going through crates, I'm clicking on things, I'm lining up songs that I might play, but I'll just break out on calm and say, guys, what do I play here? And because everyone in the video production room, everyone on game press, everyone on media level, they're all feeling the same thing we are when those moments are tight, when we're down by one, when we're tied, when it's close to overtime. So I often have learned to just shout people out and say, hey, help me out here. What do you think? And some of the best moments have come from that. I mean, I just had an interview on my podcast with Steve Mayer, CCO of the NHL, and he was responsible along with me for some of the best collaborations. Uh, I remember the first game, Vegas. Was it Vegas and Vancouver? I forget when, but uh, the goalie skate on Vegas broke, and he went over the bench. And I remember playing Fix You by Coldplay because it was taking so long. And Steve was so – he loved it so much. And then a few moments later in the period, he had another skate problem, and I had to go to the bench. And Steve said, play the home improvement theme. (laughs) And this was one of the most viral moments on Twitter for me from the playoffs. And people think it was me, and it wasn't. He called for it. I queued it up. I I happened to have it. I mean, I had a lot of theme-oriented stuff just in there. And, I mean, people went crazy on Twitter for that. It was one of the best moments. And then as he came out, um, I played Boogie Shoes or something like that. And it's just... Those moments are the best ever, and they're all collaborative efforts. It's not just me sitting somewhere uh, by myself in a booth. I have a, a link of communication to, like, you know, almost 100 other people on this comm every game. And that's really what I wanted to express in this new podcast that I'm doing is how many people collaborate on these days. I mean, of all the people that make up a game day, I mean, it's from the guy who turns on the lights in the morning to the Zamboni guys, to everyone involved in game presentation, the host, the floor director, uh, the ice crew, uh, the lighting guys, the spotlight guys, the music people, the coordinators, the directors. I started to connect with all these people during the Stanley Cup bubble, and it, it just boggled my mind. From the very first email I got, which was from Vegas about just a warm-up mix, there were three or four people CC'd on this email. And I just looked at their names. And then I looked at them in the thread and their positions. And that's where I first got the idea. It was right at the start of the playoffs. And I said, there's so many people with so many stories uh, given their time who are talented, who are in these thankless positions who would never be brought in the spotlight, who you would never think would have these amazing stories that they do. And that's what I want to do with Between Whistles is just shed light on all these people, what they do, and how they interact with the players and game day and the fans. Between Whistles with Johnny Infamous is on the Hockey Podcast Network. That's where you can get it, wherever you get your podcast from. So with, with the whole idea to do this podcast, and I love the concept of it, did you reach out to the Hockey Podcast Network? Did, were they talking to you? Like, how did it all come to be? Yeah, they reached out to me. I mean, I think it was between... Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and World Juniors, they just said, hey, you've been on our radar for a while since the playoffs started. A lot of good stories that we kind of wanted to tell in an original content podcast format, but you'd probably be the best to tell them because they, you, you were kind of there for all of them. And originally it was going to be just a podcast about the bubble. And we were going to just tell the stories of the bubble. And then I just started to connect with all the people I had been in contact with during the bubble. Excuse me. 
Um, all the DJs, all the game day directors, uh, the 14 different teams who came to Edmonton and played for those few months inside of our arena. I thought of all these people, and I started getting notes down and the stories I wanted to tell, and I said, this goes so much further than the bubble. Because then in, during World Juniors, you know, it wasn't just North America. I was talking with game presentation people from across the world who were trying to dictate how their games normally went, what they play in terms of music in their countries, what I should add. And I just thought this is way bigger than like a 10-episode special on the bubble. I'm just going to start telling everyone's story. And that's what I thought I should start at the top. And that's why Steve Mayer, CCO of the NHL, is on there first. He really is the driving force. You know, people hear CCO, chief content officer, they think of someone maybe sitting in an office who sends emails just dictating to people how they should, you know, pre present the brand or, or operate within the league's, you know, rules and regulations. But he really is this amazingly creative guy, nine-time Emmy award-winning broadcaster who, like, he knows everybody. He knows every game day director in the league. He, he's just a friendly, creative guy. And his story is one of hundreds throughout the league. It's tons of people who all have this amazing talent. And they really dedicated their lives to the game. Like, and being, you know, people who really uplift and bring you the game. Like, even when you're sitting at home, you're listening to the music, you're watching the lighting. And now more so than ever, uh, we're trying to interact with fans through social media and from even farther away than we ever have before. And these people have all pivoted and changed everything they do to kind of fit into broadcast and TV and online and social media. So that's what we're really trying to tell in the terms of story. I mean, next show is going to be amazing. We've got John Greco uh, from the Seattle Kraken. And if you know John Greco... I mean, this is a guy who started in Cleveland working uh, with LeBron James. Then he went to the WWE. Then he went to Vegas to uh, direct their games for their first two seasons. Now he's going to be, you know, opening the inaugural season in Seattle. This guy has so many stories. The show is just, I can't even, <laughs> it's a 30-minute show, but I feel like it could be four hours every time I talk to someone. But uh, it's just, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think you could probably do 30 minutes on Vegas alone. Like, all that they yeah. did. Anyone I've talked to that's been to a game down there says it's the best, like, most innovative concepts that they do for their in-game presentation. So I'm really yeah, looking forward like to that one. Vegas, the, uh, the former music director, Jake Wagner, is going to be on my third show. And then I'm going to end. I'm, I'm actually doing two guests on that show. Uh, it's going to be the new music director, who is actually the in-game DJ since Vegas Golden Knights uh, began. Uh, DJ Joe Green. So I'm going to start with Jake. He's also, Jake Wagner's also doing the uh, two games out in Tahoe that are coming up this month, the NHL. So it's going to be amazing to talk to him and then to Joe after and just, yeah, I mean, Vegas, like, Vegas is showtime town, right? So of course they're the envy of the league. There's no way anyone could beat them in terms of game presentation, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's Between Whistles on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can download it wherever you get your podcasts from. Johnny Infamous, the host of the program. And Johnny, thanks a lot for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Connor. I listen to your show uh, anytime I can. And it sounds tight. It sounds bright. It sounds great. And uh, again, I just wanted to say to the fans who are listening, like we miss you immensely. The game is not the same without you. The players know that. We know that. And uh, we can't wait until you're all back inside Rogers Place. I think they're all with you there, Johnny. Thanks a lot for doing this. I know hopefully we can get you on down the road. Cheers. Johnny Infamous, the host of Between Whistles with Johnny Infamous on the Hockey Podcast Network. Their first episode came out on Wednesday. I definitely recommend you give it a listen. Some very cool stuff. And he's going to open you up into a whole new world. And uh, as he explained... It's not just the guy showing up to play music. There's a lot of thought that goes into that. So uh, it'll be a very fun one to listen to between whistles on the Hockey Podcast Network with your host, Johnny Infamous. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Johnny Infamous. That's going to wrap it up for us here on Episode 10 of the Other Connor Podcast. My name is Connor Halley. Big thanks once again to the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. And one more reminder that you've got to download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to enter the $55 million Super Bowl Prediction Challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize of the $25,000 just for playing. So use the promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl Challenge 
only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. That goes Sunday, and I'm looking forward to that one. It's going to be cold in Edmonton this weekend. Why not hunker down and watch one final football game? Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And have a little fun. Try to win some money, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. The Oilers' next action, Saturday night, 8 o'clock puck drop down in Calgary. Then they're off to our nation's capital for a series against the Ottawa Senators Monday and Tuesday. We'll talk about those games on the next edition of the Other Connor Podcast. Got to thank everyone for hopping on the show this edition. Hernan Salas of TSN 1260, former member of the Edmonton Oilers, Zach Stortini, and Johnny Infamous, the host of Between Whistles on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley, C-O-N-N-O-R-H-A-L-L-E-Y. Any guests you want to hear from, any concerns, any praise, I don't know if you'll give me praise, but if you want to, let me know on Twitter. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys, so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.